Hello and welcome back to the Fiction Hack Podcast, where we are unlocking a deeper understanding of the modern story. I'm Colin Monroe, and this is Ross Lawhead. Hello. So, Ross. Yes. Tell, tell me what we're talking about today. So, today we're talking about Captain Marvel, um, because okay. uh, almost by coincidence uh, another captain marvel movie has come out but i don't think people know that it's another captain marvel movie um it's yeah it's kind of a bit of a freak coincidence that um these two characters are basically back to back um so we've had the marvel uh, cinematic universe captain marvel played by brie larson that's just uh, actually just crossed uh, one billion uh, dollars earned worldwide making it um a member of an exclusive club and then we've also mm -hmm. got a movie called shazam which has just come out with Zachary Levi. And uh, you've probably seen the trailers, you know, the big red suit with a lightning bolt on the front and everything like that. Um, right, yes. I think what... So, yeah, you're uh, going to you're gonna, mm -hmm. I have to confess, that I'm going to... I have... I'm very out of touch with the with the Captain Marvel. I don't... I, I know very little about Captain Marvel. I haven't seen the film. Yeah. I haven't read any of the comics. So... Very few people have, have to... about either Captain mm. Marvel, which yeah. is kind of interesting. Um, because, uh, I mean, Marvel's actually worked really hard um, to to brand their own Captain Marvel. Um, I mean, not just recently, but over the years. But, I mean, the Marvel Comics has done that. But Marvel... Um, for, for the movies itself, um, compared to the other properties that Marvel's been doing, you know, the Iron Man, the Thor, the Captain America, even Guardians of the Galaxy have got a much longer history in the comics, whereas the Brie mm. Larson Captain Marvel that we've seen, I think, is really only about five years old. Um, so even the first comic was only a few years ago. Yeah, so, I mean, her, her character has been around since the 60s, but she was always called Ms. Right. Marvel. And then there's been another Captain Marvel running around as well. She just, she just got promoted. DC. Essentially, yeah. Um, and they even, I think they talk about that a little bit in the movie. It's never really explained why she's Captain Marvel, why she's a captain. And in fact, I don't think she ever in the story actually takes the name Captain Marvel. Um, it's just something that gets applied kind of um, to the posters, probably. But um, mm -hmm. what other people don't know is that, you know, they're also at the same time has been running around uh, Captain Marvel, who now has a movie called Shazam. And that's not the same character? No. No, no, right. no. So... Um, this is probably where we should actually just back uh, right the heck up, uh, yeah. because that uh, the the Zachary Levi one, the Shazam Captain Marvel, is actually the first Captain Marvel, and that was a character okay. that was created in uh, 1939, and at the time he was actually uh, extremely popular. Um, so we've got uh, Superman coming along. Uh, kind of pre-war time. Um, I should probably look up exactly when Superman... I mean, we're talking 1935, I think, uh, for the first Superman uh, comic. And th that was the first superhero that ever existed was Superman. Uh, that's why we call mm -hmm. them superheroes now and not bat heroes or something like that because Superman <laughs> was the first one. Right. So uh, every it, it used to be a bit of a... Um, I mean, because Superman was so popular and so unique it was kind of thought that anyone who had superpowers was basically ripping off Superman, you know? So, mm. uh, Batman, I think, I don't, I don't know what the intent was initially, but he was created the way he was without superpowers because people didn't want to, you know, they didn't want, well, they say, well, we've already got one person with these incredible gifts, you know, we're not going to do another one as well. So they were forced to kind of think yeah. a different way for Batman, which worked for Batman, of course. Um, but then, you know, as time Superman went on, you did But also Superman kind of like get... had 
lots of different powers, didn't he? Like, he can virtually do anything. Super speed, super strength, x-ray vision, laser beam eyes. Yeah, I mean, it's really been dialed down recently. <laughs> mm. uh, I mean, since um, kind of, I guess it was really a concerted effort around the early 80s to really kind of limit what su Superman was reinvented basically in the 80s. Um, well, let's bring it back to uh, let's bring it back to Captain yeah. Marvel then. What so mm -hmm. so so the Shazam yeah, version so, came out around that time. So yeah, I mean, this we're, we're talking maybe yeah just a few years afterwards and. Uh, it was kind of stumbled upon by accident. Well, it wasn't this accident, but it, it wasn't the intent to make him as kind of powerful as he was with flight and speed and strength and all that kind of stuff, which you know obviously is closely associated with with Superman. And you know even their faces look the same if their costumes are slightly different. Um, it, the the original pitch from what the how, how the story goes is that um, it was going to be a super team with you know each character has got a different sort of set of powers you know one's really fast one's uh, really wise one's really strong one can fly all that kind of stuff and just to kind of save um i don't know is i think uh you know the publisher decided well you know we've we've got teams we've got individual heroes that you know there's a golden arrow was one of them you can you know fight air you know fire arrows and that kind of stuff well let's just wrap them all up into one character and we'll just you know leave it at that so um yeah the they basically created this this guy Shazam, uh, who was given the, his powers by um, so, a sort of benevolent wizard, um, and the Shazam is an, actually an acronym for his powers. So the S stands for the Wisdom of Solomon, uh, the H stands for the Strength of Hercules, the A stands for the Stamina of Atlas, the Z stands for the Power of Zeus, uh, A is the courage of Achilles and B is the speed of Mercury and uh, so that was kind of the setup uh, so he's got these magical powers and uh, he is his alter ego is actually a kind of I think like a 12 15 year old boy who says who you know gets given these powers by this wizard he says Shazam and then a lightning bolt strikes him and he turns into this superhero so I mean right. already once, once this, is a DC, this is DC right no, no. So this is a different uh, publisher called Fawcett Comics. Oh, right. Uh, so it's just, yeah, they're just kind of doing their own thing alongside. So, I mean, this is a time where even Marvel doesn't really exist. Um, they, mm. they, Marvel was actually Atlas Comics, and uh, they didn't initially get on board with right. the superheroes. Um, I mean, I guess they had uh, Namor, Submariner, and then Human Torch and stuff. They're all kind of doing their yeah, own I've just been thing. doing a little bit of Googling as you've been talking, and mm -hmm. yeah, it says here that Marvel Comics trademarked the name Captain Marvel in the '60s, but then just but, but but Marvel Comics weren't really Marvel Comics at that at that time. Well, Marvel Comics became Marvel Comics in the '60s, yeah. so already you're going right. ahead a little bit. But the, the, uh, okay. it just was worth talking about Captain Marvel and Shazam just by saying that although they look very similar and you know they have the similar sort of powers, you just have to scratch through the veneer to say actually they're quite different. You know, the idea that you know this is a magical gift bestowed to this uh, child is kind of a different mm. sort of thing. You know, um, if you look at you know, the other alter egos of you know the billionaire you know Batman Bruce Wayne and you know reporter Clark Kent and stuff like that this is actually an original idea that you know they have a, um, a young boy has got these powers um in a sense you know he's his own sidekick you know essentially um mm. although, so captain yeah, marvel the, the shazam version well. is 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 a kid or is he grown up now 
No, he's a kid. Yeah. So he's a 15-year-old right. who says Shazam, and then he turns into a superhero, which I okay. think is a great high concept for, for a superhero. Oh, I see. Um, and so also, he's, like a, he's like a child in a man's yeah. body, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, if you've seen the trailers, they, they kind of uh, state that um, in, in the movie itself, because uh, that's, that's still part of, of the character and who he is. Yeah. Um, so it's a kind of coming-of-age kind of thing, I suppose. I think it's simpler than that. It's just kind of a power mm. fantasy. You know, kids can uh, identify more with another kid, you know, who's got these superpowers than with with Superman, you know, or Batman. Yeah. I mean, a kid can say, "When I grow up, I want to be Batman," but they could say, "Hey, I want to be Captain Marvel right now." And yeah. uh, so it's it's more it, of a. It kind of reminds line. me a little bit of. Um, I don't think you have it in the states, but when you were living in the UK, do you remember Banana Man? Yeah, it was, it's completely Banana Man. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, every time. What's the, What was the kid's name? I forget. Um, Eric. Eric. Every when time he ate a banana, Eric, he would, so he would eats turn a banana, into a superhero. He becomes the Banana Man. Yeah. I mean, even the characters of yeah him and Banana Man look fairly similar. I think Banana Man's, yeah, totally a, a knockoff of uh, Captain Marvel. And there there is mm. actually um, a British side of this story as well, which gets which makes it even more complicated, uh, which, again, we're going to get to because it's, it's fascinating in its own way. Um, but I, I think, well, okay, I, I will actually say it's worth saying that um, during the war era, um, Shazam! Captain Marvel um, became extremely popular, even more popular than Superman in, te in terms of sales. Um, Superman mm -hmm. had uh, a radio series, and he, he had um, some slight film appearances and stuff like that. So uh, they very quickly kind of uh, spread the brand of, of Superman. Um, but yeah, Captain Marvel uh, really got to be uh, very extremely popular. And there's also um, a, a serial movie of Captain Marvel, which I've... Uh, which I actually own and have watched, and it's really good. Um, we should probably talk about serials at, at one point in, in a dedicated episode, um, but it's really well made. Um, and for its time, it, it mixes a lot of different kind of special effects um, kind of techniques uh, in a very short amount of time to give you the impression that someone can fly and do all this uh, amazing stuff. Um, they actually hired a guy who was really good at jumping, for instance, <laughs> to <laughs> to do the first part of, they would put on the suit and he'd do the first part of the jump and then they'd cut to um, either the actor, you know, on the wires, you know, going through with the rear yeah. projection or uh, to a, a model that they would just kind of zip up a building on a wire. So they actually mm -hmm. made like a paper mache, you know, figure to kind of fly and stuff. Um, and, you know, although it's, it's laughable to us now, uh, at, at the time, you know, you're using all these different techniques with models and rear screen projection and, you know, just dressing up people, you know, as the same character. Um, it's, I think it's, yeah. it's quite a sophisticated effect. Um, so, but all that is to say that, yeah, uh, after a few years, uh, Shazam, Captain Marvel became more popular than Superman. And the people at uh, DC Comics, which is actually called National Comics or National Periodicals, uh, were a bit miffed at this. And so they, uh, I don't know what it is, I mean, file injunction, but, you know, basically sued um, uh, Fawcett Comics for uh, infringement of copyright. And mm. the uh, the suit itself went on for a few years, about ten years. Um, so uh, I'm just checking Wikipedia. It says in 1941 they filed the suit, and then the verdict was delivered in 1951. Now, in those ten years, 
the popularity of superhero comics had really plummeted. So between right. 41, when they said, hey, you can't use Captain Marvel, you know, he's basically Superman, and we came up with Superman. Um, in 1951, the judge uh, finally, you know, they, they finally made their arguments and, and did whatever uh, legal maneuverings they needed to do. Um, the judge mm. basically said, well, I mean, not really. <laughs> so you, you, you know, you can't copyright these ideas. You can copyright the names and the stories, but you know, the actual kind of idea of a person with powers isn't something that you know you can copyright anymore. So I think also kind of the kind of general idea of what a superhero was had kind of advanced since that time, um, since those early days of you know Superman. Uh, it was kind of accepted that yeah, there are lots of people with powers, and you know you don't have you know the right to claim that you know everyone's ripping you off just because someone else is can you know, leap top tall buildings and stuff. Um, but uh, again, sort of uh, DC slash National uh, appealed the decision, and uh, it was kind of settled out of court, um, as a, just about all of these um, cases are. And uh, Fawcett basically kind of cut their losses and say, "Well, look, we're not selling as many comics as we used to. Um, we don't really need to stay in this game anymore." And so they said, "Yeah, sure, um, you can, you know, have the the rights to." Captain Marvel, and I think there was probably some money that changed hands and stuff. So Fawcett, mm -hmm. you know, didn't didn't get you know didn't probably get the raw end as people might assume. Um, and then what happened to Fawcett mean, comics? Did they are they still going or no? They folded. Um, mm. So yeah, they, they kind of packed up uh, shop, and um, so um, that's that's all happening in the fifties. Uh, meanwhile, um, also in the fifties, th this happened. Hang on, um, no, sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm confused. I'm confused. <laughs> So yeah. why is it DC that have got the rights? Why are they suing them when Captain, when Marvel's nothing to do with this yet? Because a Mar no, so no. Captain Marvel was a was a DC character, and no. then that's he was why a DC Fawcett character. No, no, he was Fawcett. Yeah, yeah. This okay. is see, this is why it's so complicated. Is because there are all these assumptions. You would think that Marvel is yeah. going to stop another character called Captain Marvel from having comic books published. But there was no Marvel at that time. It was DC who says Captain Marvel looks like Superman. You can't, you know, start oh, making so, comics with basically a knockoff Superman. So, so there's nothing to do with the name Marvel at that point. It's got nothing to do with the name yet. It's got everything to do with the actual character and kind of how he acts and what his name is and stuff. So, okay, now, okay, this happens in the 50s. Meanwhile, what's happening in across the pond back in Britain is that um, there's a small publisher, um, I think it's called Miller and Son or something like that, uh, which was reprinting some of these Captain Marvel stories because they were so popular. It's like, okay, well, we'll just you know sell them at the newsagents and stuff to the kids. Um, they started um, also, I think they started making their own kind of content, maybe just backup stories and stuff like that. Uh, hmm. When the settlement came through and they said okay well look you, you know we're not going to do captain marvel anymore you can have the rights to captain marvel then all of a sudden these guys were kind of up the creek because you know they'd been selling these quite successfully and so they said well instead of just you know stop you know making money out of this uh they decided they're going to make their own knockoff captain marvel so, uh, I mean, it could be seen as a knockoff of a knockoff, depending on who you talk to. Um, so they retiled a character uh, called Marvel Man and said, okay, well, we're going to start doing Marvel Man comics. And uh, essentially it was the same thing. There is a um, 
some there was a reporter I can't remember his name was but uh, he says the word uh, Kemota uh, which is atomic spelled backwards and then he turns into Marvel Man and essentially has the same sort of adventures um, oh it's worth pointing out as well that the Captain Marvel stories were actually quite creative um, and I think that's probably one of the reasons they did better than the Superman ones is instead of if you look at the early Superman comic books there's a lot of people pointing guns at each other and you know a lot of kind of you know crime and, and hoods kind of hijinks and stuff um, whereas Captain Marvel um, had it really kind of stretched reality in that one of um, Captain Marvel's arch nemesis uh, was a worm you know a super intelligent worm you know another one is you know, dr savannah and um as, as it went on then there was uh mary marvel who was a female interpretation of the character there's kid marvel who was like a sidekick there is um i think there's a tiger at one point as well they had a, a tiger butler sort of thing so they they really kind mm -hmm. of went further with uh i, I think that it um use the medium of comic books better than Superman did. Um, because whereas, you know, all of that stuff would have been great on film for Superman, um, and you, it would be impossible to put, you know, a tiger as a butler in a movie, you know, back then, it worked mm. better for comics. Um, so they had a very colorful cast, and uh, this is something that uh, Marvel Man uh, then decided that they are going to... Um, you know, replicate essentially. So, you know, there was Kid Marvel Man, there was, uh, I don't know, Mary Marvel Girl or something like that. But, you know, they basically kind of say, well, okay, well, we'll keep doing Marvel, Captain Marvel, but we'll just call it something else. And so they did this for, um, yeah, they continue to do this for a while, uh, very quietly in Britain. And I don't think anybody in America really took note because, you know, again, you know, if you think, you know, this is prior, you know, internet age and all that kind of stuff. It's like, how are you really going to find out all this stuff was going on anyway? Um, yeah. And then once you do, are you, how much are you going to care? So uh, that was all happening um, over in Britain. It was a bigger world back then. <laughs> well, yeah, it took longer to get places for sure. But yeah. um, in and any people case... People weren't so interested in, but, you know, the, the two markets were much more separated. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, now you've got DC or, you know, National Comics starting to, they're, they're still doing the superhero thing. And, you know, the, the market kind of, you know, comes back around again. And they say, well, look, we've got, you know, characters that we've taken from some other companies. And uh, Captain Marvel wasn't the only one. I think Plastic Man was um, created mm -hmm. by a different company. Um, you know, this, this, it kind of, it happens back then as it happens now, like Disney's buying up all these uh, studios and stuff, you know, uh, DC and Marvel, actually Marvel didn't really do this much, but DC would buy up you know, the rights to characters that decided that they weren't going to, you know, a company decided, well, we're not going to print superhero comics anymore. Let's sell them all to DC. And DC would say, yeah, well, we'll, we'll take them off your hands for you. So they decide they're going mm -hmm. to start um, making Captain Marvel comics again, um, <clears throat> which uh, is fine, generally, except uh, Marvel decides... Well, Marvel since then has come onto the scene. They've gone mm. from being Atlas Comics to Timely Comics. And in 1961, uh, we talked about this in our Stan Lee episode. But yeah, Stan Lee basically creates mm. the Fantastic Four, uh, which uh, was kind of the, the new direction and kind of a renaissance for the genre in making superheroes more human. Um, right. Which, again, was... It seems really like an obvious thing to us right now, but it was really a kind of a, a light speed jump for, for the genre back then. Because you had all of these characters who were, like, especially you can still look at the DC characters and say, well, look, you know, they're 
alter egos aren't really much worse than their hero selves, you know, like, you know, okay, Clark Kent is a bumbling reporter, but we all know he, he doesn't have to be bumbling. You know, Bruce Wayne is a millionaire. Um, even Hal Jordan, he's a test fighter pilot. And, you know, Barry Allen is, uh, you know, a, um, a police um, crime scene investigation sort of person. It's like, you know, they're all pretty cool even without the costumes. Whereas the Marvel mm. people were not cool without the costumes. You know, Peter Parker, you know, was a lame teenager. He always got picked mm. on. Um, you know, and they had flaws. You know, uh, you know, Bruce Banner, you know, was, you know, would become angry and become the Hulk and stuff like that. So um, yeah. that that was something which really kind of made, made it a whole... Maybe kind of God-like. not for kids anymore. Yeah, exactly. Except Thor. So, <laughs> except for except for Thor, but even then he had a he, he was a um, a disabled a handicapped uh, doctor um, in the early ones. And they kind of they they have completely lost that for um, the movies and the comics, which yeah. which is fine. But um, yeah, the, that was kind of the the formula for for Marvel comics back then. So, you know, they've revitalized the genre. They've become really big and popular. You've got Stan, Stan Lee, who's going around to college campuses. And, you know, it's starting to be kind of, uh, you know, the, the game is on sort of thing. And um, so, yeah, DC says, well, look, we've got Captain Marvel. Let's just, you know, let's just start printing Captain Marvel comics again. Um, hmm. And that's when uh, Marvel says, hey, hey, hang on a second. This this is not allowed. Um I think they probably even saw it coming. Marvel's got a history of really kind of playing um, playing hardball when it comes to character rights. Uh, they would, um, uh, with a lot of uh, certain characters, um, you don't buy the rights outright. You only buy an option on the characters. And this is very common for movies, is that, well, you can have this character, but if you're not using him for five years, ten years, and we get the rights back. Yeah, I mean, we talked about this before. This is how the whole X-Men thing ended up in Sony mm-hmm. and... Yeah, yeah. Every you know, uh, three out of the four Fantastic Four movies have been made just to keep the rights. You know, they mm. they don't care. Marvel doesn't care how they're made. They just want. No, sorry, not Marvel. Fox doesn't care how the movies are made. They just want them to be made so that they keep the rights. Um, and this is uh, Marvel's got a history of doing this as well. Um, so they've got no right to complain. There, there's been some really kind of brazen. Uh, <laughs> um, maneuverings and machinations taking place there was um one character the original human torch uh which is the character from the 30s who is not the fantastic four torch who's you know another one um the rights were going to expire um i think yeah it had been kind of like eight nine years since the character had been used and marvel comics uh yeah in a fantastic four comic book i think it was maybe an annual even they brought the character out for one story and then killed the character in that story just so they could keep the rights to it. And it was done like the mm-hmm. month before they were due to expire. So they they had been, you know, these games have been played, you know, through throughout, um, you know, with, with both DC and Marvel, I think it's fair to say. And so, yeah, Mar- Marvel's big. Uh, I think they've also got... Um, they also developed a Captain Marvel character because, hey, you know, we've got, you know, we're Marvel. Captain America is great. Let's do Captain Marvel. So um, they did, uh, Captain Marvel um, is actually familiar if you've seen the Captain Marvel movie. Um, it's a female in the movie, but um, mm-hmm. it's, it's actually called mar It's an alien called Mar-Vell, which again is kind of a, a, a crib from uh, Kal-El, you know, say Mar-Vell. Um, is you know like Cal L is an alien name. What's, is just, Cal, 
What's Kal El? So Su- Superman is Kal El. That's his uh, Kryptonian oh. name. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So right. you know, so this Cree um, uh, superhero is called Captain Marvel because the humans just call him Marvel. Um, right. And you know, I think that was probably done. Yeah. Also with an idea of trying to edge. Um, DC out if they were you know going to bring Captain Marvel back, and they decided that they were, and uh, they the, again there is kind of legal issues uh, and battles taking place, and the eventual compromise was that well DC can have a Captain Marvel um, because you know Captain Marvel already existed before Marvel Comics even did. You know this character had a long history. There there was something like uh, almost eighteen hundred stories that were published about Captain Marvel. You know in in the comics and stuff. So you can't you know not have before Captain Marvel, Marvel existed. Before Marvel even existed, um, but yeah. um, it is confusing that DC can sell a comic with Marvel as a character in the title. Um, so the compromise mm. was well we'll just call it Shazam. But it's going right. to be the stories of Captain Marvel. Um, so you know, you could buy yeah. the comic Shazam, but it's got Captain Marvel in it. So at that time, he was still I'm, called I mean, Captain Marvel. It's, it's such a strange situation. I'm surprised that DC didn't say something at the time when Marvel became Marvel. You know, well, see, they, 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 they surely they wouldn't really have had a leg to, to stand that. on because they weren't printing Captain Marvel comics at that point. This is just a character they had in a mm. drawer. Um, it yeah. was kind of once they had Which is maybe why they, to, it didn't even Marvel. occur to them yeah exactly so you know what what case are you going to say it's like well we've got this character called Captain Marvel you can't call your company Marvel it's like well we don't have any characters called Marvel we've just got Captain we've just got you know that Marvel's just our name and you're not using Captain Marvel anyway so yeah there. this is kind of yeah this is exactly the kind of sticky situation that you, you get into um so, yeah, like I say, the, the compromise was, okay, well, he's called Captain Marvel, but the comic books are called Shazam. And that's been what it has been up until um, till now, basically. Uh, there was a few years ago, I, I guess we're in ten, about 10 years ago, uh, DC decided they were going to restart all of their comic titles, uh, kind of reset the universe, which they do for some reason um, every few years. They just decide, okay, yeah. well, look, everything that's gone on before, we're just going to redo it all again. So, you know, you get the new... Um, you get the new Superman origin, you get the new Batman origin, and you get the new Shazam origin. And so he just decides, like, look, this is too confusing to have, you know, call the comic Shazam and have Captain Marvel in it, you know. And meanwhile, Marvels really seem attached to, you know, this character of Captain Marvel. Because, meanwhile, Captain... Uh, sorry. Meanwhile, Marvel Comics is creating Captain Marvels all over the place. There, you know, every, as soon as one Captain Marvel gets uh, unpopular enough for him to cancel the comic book, then they come up with a new Captain Marvel. So there's been about eight Captain Marvels. The, the Brie Larson Captain Marvel that we've got in the comics now, as I said, it's only about five years old, you know, even though the character Ms. Marvel, see, they, 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 they just really want to brand that that name uh, is from the 60s. They've just decided, well, we're going to make this Ms. Marvel character Captain Marvel now, and the We'll just go along with that. Um, but yeah, in the movie, there's a, a girl, the, the daughter of her kind of wing person um, in the movie has got the name of another Captain Marvel. So even in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, they're still saying, well, we're still going to have one Captain Marvel at some point anyway, even if you know Brie Larson doesn't want to make these movies anymore. So yeah, for whatever reason, um, they're really attached to it. Um, mm. So... Yeah, so anyway, when DC decided to do their re, 
uh, reset universe, they called it the New 52. They just started calling the character Shazam, because why not, you know? It's not the worst name you could come up with, and, uh, you know, it's, it's not any worse than any of the other ones. So, um, so yeah. Now, we can cut back to Britain. Um, <laughs> meanwhile, this Marvel man has been knocking around. Um, and uh, in the 80s, they decide that um, they want to... Um, um, well, there's, let's see, there was, it's called Warrior Comics. I don't know if it was an offshoot from um, the original, the Len Miller Company or not. But um, basically, Marvel Man has has got a bit of a bit of traction in the UK. And um, a young writer called Alan Moore decides that he wants to start writing some Marvel Man stories and now alan moore we know now from watchmen mm-hmm. and uh a whole bunch of other things if you're, if you're into comics i mean uh even if you're not into comic books uh you'd know the movie v for vendetta that's alan moore has written that um leave mm-hmm. extraordinary gentleman uh was a was <laughs> sean connery's last movie he ever appeared in and although a kind of opinions divided on the movie i think it's fine um you know that was based on alan moore's comics and uh yeah, so yeah, lots more uh, besides Alan Moore has been kind of a big mover and shaker, even if you don't know his name very well. Uh, but yeah, anyway, back in the 80s, he decided he wants to write some superhero sort of stories, um, do something a little bit more complex with the genre, play around a little bit. Um, he sees that you know, Marvel Man's not being used, so he decides he's, he wants to write some Marvel Man comics. And so they say, yeah, sure. And they, so they start publishing a uh, Marvel Man feature in this magazine called uh, Warrior, uh, which is kind of an anthology series magazine. Um, and of course, now, again, you know, super invested in this character, especially in the 80s. Uh, Marvel has already <clears throat> managed to get DC to stop you know, publishing Captain Marvel comics. And now mm. here's this uh, comic book across the pond called Marvel Man Comics. So they step in and say, well, you can't you know, publish this. Um, this is infringement, basically. So they still keep publishing Marvel Man, but they call it Miracle Man. They okay. just take Marvel out of it. But it's still a ripoff of the DC Captain Marvel. Yeah. But DC doesn't care. No, because they've given up on it anyway. Well, well, they haven't. No, they, but no, they've just at this it. point, it's like, yeah, at this point, whatever, you know. <laughs> they've. This is the whole thing. It's like they they're just deciding what they're going to care about at any one point, um, and so DC decides they don't care. It's like, sure, fine, you know, why not? You know, at, you know, at the very least, maybe people are going to be interested in Captain Marvel if they really like Marvel Man. You know, who knows? Mm. But for Marvel, it's a branding issue. It's like, well, we're Marvel. You can't be Marvel as well. You can't start publishing any comic with Marvel in it because that's who we are. Um, so, yeah, th- that's going on. And uh, Alan Moore writes a, a bunch of stories. They're very good. I, I've read them myself. Um, and then eventually he decides he's going to leave. And uh, another young writer takes over. Uh, called Neil Gaiman. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is where it starts to get a little bit, he said, she said, this is kind of where <laughs> I started reading comics and, and paying attention to, to all this stuff. I mean, you can look on Wikipedia and it'll give a very kind of dry account of what's happened. Um, to to have actually kind of been a bystander watching this kind of unfold in real time, it was uh, a lot more confusing because you do get these kind of court 
judgments and all these settlements taking place. But that's not actually kind of the reality of the situation. As much as we want to believe that, you know, the courts get to the truth of the matter, that's very rarely the case. And this is what I'm saying is that usually these things are kind of settled outside of court, mm. which means that you don't really know who's right and who's wrong and, you know, whose case is really the, the correct one. So this is where it gets a little bit sticky is that Neil Gaiman is under the impression now after talking to Alan Moore, saying, oh, yeah, well, you know, Alan Moore is like, yeah, I've basically reinvented the character. So in Alan Moore's mind, he's actually kind of co-created this character. And he says, well, you can have the rights to the character. And I think the story is that it's, again, it's one of these things scribbled on a napkin kind of deal. Yeah. He's like, well, here, here's the rights to it. You know, you can have it. And, you know, good, good luck to you. So now Neil Gaiman is writing comics under the impression that he, he part owns the character. Um, and uh, it goes for a little bit, but um, Gaiman decides, well, he wants you know bigger and better things. He comes over to America and he starts doing his Sandman comics, and now he's doing a lot of film stuff. And he, you know, his his writing, his uh, you know his novels are, are very well received and everything. So he's he's going to be a big star. Um, and well, this is all before that, but um, then kind of mid '90s, um, a guy called Todd McFarlane, who is a comic artist who started kind of in with marvel doing spider-man and, and various issues and stuff um he's gone on to co-found co his own comic book company called image and then he's decides he's going to make his own kind of company and he does you know he does multimedia stuff he does toys he does some weird stuff with hockey for some reason he just really likes hockey um but he's kind of you know built himself up a bit he decides he's going to purchase um the uh the characters essentially um, of this small company who was doing uh, Marvel Man slash Miracle Man, the the British company British called man, Eclipse. Yeah. yeah, called Eclipse now, and he's suddenly. But uh, I mean, they say this is what it says in Wikipedia. In 1996, Todd McFarlane purchases Eclipse creative assets, including the purported Miracle Man rights, for a total of twenty five thousand uh, dollars. At the time, I remember this. Um, Todd McFarlane basically announced, "Hey, I've got the rights to Mar." To Miracle Man now. I'm going to start doing Miracle Man stuff. And okay. a whole bunch of people you know, threw up their hands saying, hey, wait, 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 wait. Um, first of all, Neil Gaiman says, well, I've got half rights to that. And then McCready says, no, I've got all the rights. I've purchased all of the stuff in here. Um, and so, you know, they say, well, you, you know, let's just stop until we get this sorted out, you know, you know, just stop using it. And he says, no, I'm going to keep doing it. So, um, yeah, Todd McFarlane starts, you know, reprinting comics, I think, and, you know, making statues is what he's, he's, he wants mm. to do, make statues of, you know, superheroes and stuff. Oh, Todd McFarlane, by the way, he came up with Spawn. You might have heard of Spawn. He had a movie in the 90s as well. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, so, I mean, so around this goes on for years and uh gaming even forms a, a company um called uh, marvels and miracles llc um as a way just to um kind of sew up ownership of the character um and then it comes out that um the, the even um the people who've been publishing Marvel Man, Miracle Man over the years haven't owned the rights to this character. The original None. deal with the original creator called uh, Mike Ang Anglo um, is that um, he has always had the rights. He just hasn't spoken up until now. <laughs> he just didn't really kind of care about the small printers who were making a little bit of money off of uh, Miracle Man. So the people who've been printing 
Miracle Man have never had the rights to it. Mm. So that means that not only has Todd McFarlane never had the rights to it, Neil Gaiman never had the rights to it because Alan yeah. Moore never had the rights to it because they were never his to have. Yeah, so Neil so, Gaiman had um, fifty. Well, what the fifty percent rights that he had were were not valid because they yeah yeah, yeah exactly because they because it wasn't Alan Moore's to give yeah. ostensibly. Um, so, so it still belongs to DC, then, really. It's still all DCs. No. Uh-uh. No, it doesn't belong to DC. DC has only said... Actually, they, DC had no involvement with any of this. And even Marvel didn't have any involvement with any of this because they haven't actually been uh, doing these Miracle Man, Marvel Man comics. They've been doing Captain Marvel. That's been a different thing altogether. This has all been happening in America. And all this other stuff has been happening over in the UK until mm. Todd McFarlane gets involved and says, hey, you know, I'm going to start, you know, selling Miracle Man merch. And everybody's saying, well, wait, 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 wait. Since, well, why? It's like, well, I, I bought them. It's like, but did you? And so, yeah, it's all been kind of, as it, as it stands now, in 2009, Marvel just announced that they've got the rights to Marvel Man. And I remember this happening as well as being like another, and it was reported because, you know, it's a huge, long, complex thing. And it's like, it, it it's so hard to prove any of this stuff. Um, and then Marvel just out of the blue just says, oh yeah, well, we've got the rights now. So hang on, are they and announcing like, that well, they've acquired them or are they announcing that they just, that they just stake their claim on it? They're, they're just, they just announced, they just came out and said it. Say, hey, we own it now. It's like, well, and Todd McFarlane is saying, well, you didn't make a deal with me. And they said, well, we didn't have to make a deal with you. We went to the guy who owns the rights, the original creator, and we've got them from him. And before anyone can really start on this, then Todd McFarlane says, hey, I bought all, those st all that stuff. That all belongs to me now. Now, you, you know, if you want to do Mar Miracle Man stuff, you come to me. Meanwhile, you know, Neil Gaiman is saying, no, no, you come to me. And now and Marvel's then, saying, well, it doesn't matter what you guys bought from, uh, you know, Lee and Son or Eclipse or you know, whoever had these. Mm -hmm. We've got the rights from the original creator who has kept them. So what it looks like the original deal was, was, yeah, I'll make a new Captain Marvel for you, but I get to have the rights. Which is a bit, you know, it's a bit kind of out there because... Well, how much have you actually created of this knockoff superhero? But this is what the claim is now, is that I own the rights to this knockoff superhero. So, you know, now I'm selling those to Marvel. Now Marvel's got the rights to Miracle Man slash Marvel Man, you know, slash whoever. So they've got the rights to this knockoff Captain Marvel, who's still owned by DC. Captain Marvel is still owned by the DC. But now they've got the knockoff superhero, the British knockoff superhero version of Captain Marvel. <laughs> so... But, you know, and then that's just stating it, you know, in the simplest, you know, fashion to have actually been in the middle of all this, you know, to suddenly have Marvel say, oh, yeah, we've got it. And then that's before the simplest, anyone can say, well, simplest. can you oh, prove well. it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> before anyone can prove it, you know, Marvel just starts making Miracle Man comics. Say, yeah, we've got the rights. And look, here they are. And, you know, they, so they start reprinting the old stuff. They start doing new stuff. And everybody else is saying, wait, 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 just put the brakes on this for a second before we can, you know, start this. But there, there is kind of, um, I mean, the courts do recognize that if you are using these things, yeah. then... You know, it's kind of like a possession is nine tenths of the law kind that's of how, deal. Um, that's how like, George Bush became president. Remember, it was like super, uh, super close with him and Al Gore, and then yeah, and Al Gore was like, "Well, well hang yeah, on, Florida. let's wait and see." Yeah, and then um, George Bush was just like, "No, no, I'm the president," and and he became the president. 
<laughs> Essentially, yeah, I mean that exactly. This is what I'm saying is that yeah. this is what the legal system is. It's not about truth. It's just about you know who. who essentially, actually, what. I mean, a huge factor with the Al Gore thing is that Al Gore didn't have money to uh, hire the lawyers to contest it. You know, mm. he, it would it would have taken millions of dollars to actually you know slow down the system, and yeah. So it, you're you're absolutely right. It's it's a it's a good analogy. Um, in any case, um, as it stands right now, um, it looks like um, this is kind of why I stopped paying attention. But in 2013, I'm told through Wikipedia. Um, uh, it, it looks like uh, Marvel settled with uh, Neil Gaiman and uh, the original um, quote-unquote creator of Marvel Man, uh, Mick Anglo. And uh, it looks like uh, it's all sorted out with as far as the, the Miracle Man is concerned, um, that it is going to be the... the uh, the DC-owned knockoff, which they only acquired because they claimed it was a knockoff from someone else, uh, is going to stay at Marvel, and um, and right. uh, it's yeah. So they've got but, they've but got now Miracle it's, Man. Now it's a whole new and, thing, right? Because uh, now Captain Marvel is is um, is a girl, and so yeah. that's it's a whole new thing, right? Yeah, I mean, different character. Um, yeah, yeah, different, different. Uh, Different reason for being. I mean, yeah, the, there's. I mean, the the Captain Marvel, as far as Marvel is concerned, has never you know been about magic words or or these kind of superpowers. Um, they've always had their yeah kind of Cree thing going, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's been like kind of just a roulette ball, mm. kind of just bouncing around um, as far in in character terms, and it just happens to be that this is who Captain Marvel is now when Marvel wants to do a Captain Marvel movie, and so it's it's uh, Carol Danvers. But like I say, there's been like uh, at least six or seven Captain Marvels and distinct different Captain Marvels in the meantime. So sorry, Carol Danvers, um, she's like the... Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. The, the name is, yeah, uh, is her alter ego. Ca Carol Danvers. Right. Is, sorry. Um, yeah. Remember, I yeah, know who nothing. She is. Yeah. <laughs> you know nothing. That's right. I always forget that you know nothing. Um, but yeah. So uh, I think that, so that, yeah, that's how it stands. So now... Um, the original Captain Marvel is called Shazam, and he's got his own movie. Um, the new Captain Marvel is called Captain Marvel, and she's you know part of the Marvel universe. Um, and then you've got this crazy British knockoff um, who isn't even really that great. His only really you know the only reason that people care about him is because yeah, Alan Moore and uh, Neil Gaiman have both written for him, and they did some you know interesting creative work. But as but you said, it was literally it was literally just chat. a money spinner. Because they sort of had something mm -hmm. that had developed some popularity, and they, they wanted to keep it going, mm -hmm. even though yeah, yeah. exactly. So it, that's not a that's not always a res recipe for uh, something with lots of artistic integrity. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's this is the whole thing. It's like it's just a muslinging. It's just like this is kind of the kind of the most unpleasant side of the comics industry is just all of this little kind of backhand maneuvering kind of stuff and yeah it's kind of like well you know really why why what's at stake here you know wh why do you care so much but, so uh, yeah it's kind of just one one example one manifestation of how you know there is a lot of plagiarism and a lot of uh stealing of ideas in the creative industries and mm -hmm. you know so there isn't always justice. Justice isn't always done. There is, mm -hmm. um, you know, the, the big the big guys always win, kind of thing. Do you, would you agree? Uh, yeah, to a large extent. Um, 
I think, yeah, for, I mean, by comparison, I think, um, the comic book field is pretty tame. I think this is the most dramatic kind of story that, you know, we've got in the comic industry. Um, mm. whereas, yeah, the movie business, of course, I think this stuff is much, much more common. Um, and in the, and music even the publishing industry, industry in the music, music industry, industry too. a lot of things going on. I guess it's because yeah. there is no fine line between inspiration and plagiarism. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. you could say. Well, I mean, even you're encouraged to. I mean, there there is a saying, a popular saying, is that um, bad artists borrow, good artists steal. So you know, even I think, yeah, to a degree, mm. um, you know, creative types are are told, yeah, just you know, steal steal from the best, essentially. Um, and you you get people who are very open about it um, to their detriment. I think um, Coldplay yeah. comes to mind. Um, they've been fairly open about you know, the, the riffs that they steal from other songs and, you know, they, they don't seem to even change so much and that's led to a few lawsuits, but I don't think that they're any worse than anyone else, for instance. Um, no, there was a, I listened to a really good podcast, which was about, um, just how kind of ideas and music just kind of travel and shift. Um, yeah. And, uh, and actually, I mean, you can look at something like the, the R and B genre and say, well, you know, this is, a genre which continually goes back to kind of original source material and reinterprets songs in a different way. And, you know, you get, although you do get bands that cover other songs and say, well, we'll pay you some money to do this. Um, equally, you can use the same tune and just change all the words. And, you know, no one's going to be able to say boo to you. Um, and that happens as well. But, um, mm. and then you get stuff like, you know, um, uh, Barry Trotter and the Muggles. Have you heard of that book? Um, I think it was Barry Trotter. Mm. It, it was a book that came out before Harry Potter. Um, and again, it went to a, a lawsuit and it was settled out of court. Um, and mm. that, that's the frustration is that you'll never, you'll never get the definitive judgment on, well, did JK Rowling steal any of these ideas for her own books? Um, yeah. But, and even uh, if she had, know, from, even from, if she had, like maybe she read that, she read, she read Barry Trotter mm -hmm. and the Muggles and then she thought this could be so much better. And then she wrote, started writing Harry Potter as a, as a, as we, with, as a kind of, she thought that's there's some great ideas in Barry Trotter, but I think yeah. I can make it a lot better. And then she did, and that's great. And you know, we all benefited from from that, or any, you know, all the Harry Potter fans uh -huh. benefited from that. So is that is that wrong? I mean, an, um, another one is the whole uh, Da Vinci Code thing. There was that other book, Holy Holy Blood, Holy Grail, that was supposed uh -huh. to be supposedly had some of the same ideas. Although in no, that no, it case, it did have all of the same ideas. Right, but then in that in that case, yeah. I think. Because they both had the same publisher, so the publisher then like, I think it was a big publicity stunt as as the whole Da Vinci Code <laughs> uh, mania was dying down. They sort of mm -hmm. wanted to keep it going a little bit longer. By I, I, I wasn't aware that there was there a web. Uh, sorry, was there a lawsuit in that case? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think it was just a publicity right. stunt to get a little bit more press. In, in Probably. The, in the final days I, I remember the seeing a, a documentary on uh, the Da Vinci Code. It's like, well, how much of this is actually true? You know, we've got this fiction book which says that it's the real story of, you know, Christ's descendants that the Catholic Church has kept quiet over the years. Well, how much is really real? Um, and they actually interviewed some one of the guys from the Holy Blood, Holy Grail um, thing. And so, yeah, it seemed like they were making bank off of the back of the Da Vinci Code. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, their book got yeah, a undoubtedly they and, sold they sold more books because of the, the the popularity of Da Vinci Code and people's talking about the connections. So, 
Yeah. Well, see, I think, but this is the other thing, is that these things uh, really only become an issue when a whole lot of money is involved. Exactly, <laughs> uh, yeah. That's, that's the reality behind it, is that it's not really proving, well, who's right and who's wrong. It's just, well, you know, how much money can we get from this? So um, I kind of feel like, from, from an art, artist's point of view, artists are a bit more okay with it, a bit more okay with, you know, being able to be inspired and, 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 and steal a few ideas and, and have a few of their own ideas stolen. It's just when the lawyers, you know, like you say, when, when a whole load of money starts being made, lawyers get involved, they see, they see yeah. pound dollar signs and, and it gets messy. Um, well, from a legal point of view, um, and I can only speak with a little bit of authority on this, but you know, my, my family's made its living through, intellectual property uh Mm. what the courts always try to decide in these cases um is not um is not is the is the intent here to steal this idea the intent the court kind of asks is the intent here to cash in on this idea Mm. so you know, I can write a book that's inspired by Star Wars, for instance. I can have, you know, spaceships that go faster than light. I can have laser swords. I can have all that kind of stuff. So long as it is accepted that I'm not actually writing a Star Wars book. However, if I go too far down that road and I have, you know, something that's, you know, like the force but not the force i've got a character who's like han solo but not han solo i've got a character who's like princess Leia. you know if if i go too far then they can say well look you're not actually trying to write another science fiction story you're trying to write star wars and you're trying to cash in on star wars um, yeah. and if i make enough money on that then star wars says hey you're making money off of something that we own so we want that basically um and then that's where the legal battle starts and then that's so i yeah. think what it was uh, you know people have gone back and read the the harry trotter and the muggles book and said, actually, you know what? This is a mile away from what J.K. Rowling has been doing and what mm. she tried to do with her books. So it, from what I understand, and I haven't read this book. I'm not familiar with the case at all. This is all allegedly speaking. Um, what it looks like was that actually um, J.K. Rowling may have been aware of this. She may have seen the book in a kid's library at some point and the, the word muggle stuck in her head. But yeah. she had no intention of cashing in on this property, which was not even in print at the time that Harry Potter went into print. Um, so the, the intent wasn't there to actually, you know, kind of steal readers away from the author of Barry Trotter. It was just mm. to make her own kind of thing. And, and in some um, cases, it may even have be may even be a kind of subconscious thing, like you said. She uh-huh. she she just like she she may have seen it, and the word "muggle" stuck stuck with her for some yeah. reason. And, and or then, it could have been a coincidence. It, came back to her. it could have come back to her, and for all she knew, it was her own idea. But it's just. Yeah. It just it wasn't on a on a it wasn't consciously you know that's yeah but there is another phenomenon as well you see this often in movies um, just with ideas uh, just kind of <laughs> like buses just come you know all at the same time um, I remember in film school mm. um, there was uh, I had a friend who really wanted to write a Joan of Arc screenplay and he got so bummed out because he found out that there are not one but two Joan of Arc movies coming out the next year. Yeah. Um, and in fact, there were actually three <laughs> that were intended, um, but yeah, two of them I, actually made it. And it was the same. I remember with Ants and Bugs Life. 
to yeah, that's uh, a bug's life and uh, yeah, yeah i mean these the these are movies that even animation you know takes so long to make you know like five six seven years sometimes yeah. and uh, those two movies came out like a month apart like yeah pretty they, much they must have uh, known robin hood you always see robin hood movies kind of clumping together as well um mm-hmm. yeah it's, it's just kind of a bizarre thing that, that seems and to happen recently it was uh, uh was it um uh snow white there was two mm-hmm. snow white movies out at the same time or very similar yeah there wasn't there yeah a little while ago there's a that spanish one and then there is snow white and the huntsman yeah uh, something like that but mm-hmm. um yeah so yeah it's it's all crazy um it's it's a madhouse but um yeah so yeah who's to say what what really happens in, in all of these things but like i say you know people seem to care a whole lot about it when there's a when there's some coin at stake yeah obviously yeah okay cool well on that positive note so yeah so this whole whole subject of rights and ideas it all gets very complicated and very murky and the more you the more the, the more you go down the rabbit hole i suppose but anyway to find our newest episodes you can search for fiction hack on soundcloud and ross you do some uh, show notes every week uh, on our I do website laborious show notes every week yep yep our website which is fiction-hack.com uh, hyphen the symbol Indeed. not the word obviously <laughs> and you can also follow oh, us on we Facebook. should buy that website yeah we should just in case um just in case someone else is going to go and buy that now before well yeah uh anyway uh-huh. <laughs> um, we've already missed the opportunity yeah anyway we also have a facebook page check us out there um, but if you've got anything mm-hmm. to say to us, probably the best thing to do is with the hashtag #FictionHack on Twitter. I think we mm-hmm. both try to follow that. Uh, on Twitter, my name is yep. at Colin underscore Monroe, and Ross. I'm at Ross Lawhead, all one word. And I'm also on Instagram, or I'm also at Ross Lawhead. You can see what I'm reading and watching currently. And I also have a website, which can be found uh, rosslawhead.com forward slash blog, or you can just Google my name. Great. And we'll see you next time. Be excellent to each other. Bye. What's the what's the um what's the name of our podcast again? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. What's the name? What's um our tagline? <clears throat> oh, bloody hell! That's a good question. Um, unlocking a deeper understanding of modern story. Yes, that's it. Okay, ready. <laughs> <laughs>